mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Kings in chapter number 19. The book of 1 Kings in chapter number 19. Of course, we're in our series of the vision of the work. And what we're doing is we're examining the work that God has given us to do. That He has given us the Great Commission, which comes into two parts. That we're supposed to reach people with the gospel, then we're supposed to teach them. What we're doing today, uh, this week is we're taking character studies and showing three famous duos in the Bible of this idea of the discipler and the disciplee, the, the person who's investing his life into a younger Christian, a younger believer. And we saw this morning the idea of Moses and Joshua and that Joshua's response as a disciple, as, as the younger man of God, is that he put himself as a servant. He obeyed his master. And because of that, he completed the work that Moses was tasked to do as Moses led the people into the victorious Christian life. Brought him into the land of Beulah land, the land of milk and honey. And he brought him over the Jordan River. Now we're going to look at the relationship between Elijah and Elisha. And we want to see this dynamic once again uh, of the, the emphasis of Elisha. Now notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, and notice with me in verse 19. 1 Kings 19, 19. The Word of God says this, So he, that's Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave it to the people to eat, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, nothing to mark in the Bible in this specific here, except the idea of 1 Kings 19, verse 21. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, we'll do this. And then it says, He ministered unto him. Ministered unto him. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach to you the calling of Elisha. The calling of Elisha. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for you being a wonderful God. And as I come up to you, Lord, I beg for your help. Lord, I don't know whether it's sickness starting to come again or if it's something else, but I I just recognize I need your spirit now and I'm in desperate need of it. Lord, I need you to come here. I need you to be in the presence. I need you to do the work. Lord, I have no confidence in myself. Lord, search me. If there's anything that needs to be taken care of before I preach, I'm asking you to expose it to me now. But I want to be filled with your spirit. Spirit, I want to know that your presence is here. I want you to use this message in a special way beyond anything I could hope or dream. I'd like you to draw your people to yourself. I'd like you to do a spiritual work tonight. Lord, I know it's something I cannot do. It must be you and you alone.
Thank you for the promises we can claim. And you be God in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're exposing and showing the dynamics of several duos in the Bible. We went through Moses and Joshua this morning and just looked at the great relationship that they had. And we went this morning and found several passages where usually we don't even see Joshua. But there he is, almost like a fly in the wall. He's getting to see Moses talk to God face to face as a man. We get to watch him as he's on the mountain for the 40 days and 40 nights, waiting on Moses, just waiting at his master's beck and call. We see him being loyal to his master. And now we come up again to another man, and we see his call to the ministry. Now, the, the call to preach is a special call. And I'm not going to go too much into that now, but usually I use this message for the call to preach. However, the idea of the call to ministry, where we decide that we're going to follow God with all of our heart, this still the same thing can still be applied. And what is it? Again, every Christian, there should be something inside of us that wants to be used. That as a Christian, we shouldn't want to be a spectator. We shouldn't want to just sit in a church pew and watch everything else happen. We should have something in us that says, I want to be used. Use me, use me. And so it's that idea that I want to pull today, especially with the idea of... Elijah, who is the, the man of God, and Elisha, the man who wants to be used. And let's see this dynamic. Let's see what goes on here. Now, I want you to hold your finger here, and I want to start off with a very important principle. Look with me in the Gospel record of Mark in chapter number 3. We're going to come back to 1 Kings 19 in just a second. But I need to start with the Lord. It all begins with God. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 in verse number 14. Uh, 13 and 14, if you wouldn't mind. Mark chapter 3, starting at verses 13, and we'll read through 14. And he, that's Jesus, goes up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came to him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. Notice again in verse 14 that why did he ordain? Why did he choose twelve? Well, the main answer is not so they can go out to preach, but that they could be with Him. You see, it is until they have been with Him, He has nothing to preach. That the first call of any Christian is to be with Him, to be with the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to be going for. Before God calls us to a place... He calls us to Himself. Before He calls us to a people, He calls us to Himself. And we have to stand still and be with Him. We don't like to be still. We like to work. And if, if we could just be so busy doing things, we could be content. But there are times that God wants us just to stand still and be with Him. To be with Him. It is much easier to do work than it is to be with Him. Because we have to be quiet. We have to wait. We have to be still and know that He is God. But when we get to know Him, then we are equipped. Then we're equipped to go out and tell people about the Lord. And so the first call is to be with Him. Now turn back with me, if you wouldn't mind, to 1 Kings 19. And let's examine a little bit more about Elisha and this call that he had. Now notice here we see the principle of training. The principle of training. Notice in verse number 19. 
So he departed, that's Elijah, so he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Saphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle on him. So here's the, the, um, <coughs> here's the scene. We have, excuse me, <coughs> we have Elijah who's out, Elisha who's out in the field. He's having a good old time working with 12 oxen. I don't know if you ever plowed with oxen, but he had 12 of them lined up. And he's out in the field, and he's working hard. And all of a sudden, the preacher comes by, and he goes past the first set, second set, walks past the 12th, and he throws his mantle. Basically, if you can imagine, he throws his cape, he throws his robe, and he throws it down and says, here you go. What in the world? He says... Come and follow me. That's the idea. Elijah knew, ex- Elisha knew exactly what it was. And he went to follow him. Now, Elijah, Elisha was not equipped yet. He had to have a training principle. Now, up above, we have some things that God had told Elijah, Elijah to do. And what happened is that God says, this is what I want Elisha to do. Notice with me in verse 16. Now, Again, before Elijah went to Elisha, God already had a plan to use him powerfully. Verse 16, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Ablam Mohablim, excuse me, shall thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Ahaziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all knees that have not bowed uh, unto Balaam, and every mouth which have not kissed him. So before even Elisha had been called to the ministry, God says, I already have him planning to do stuff with kings. I already have plans for him. I already have something in mind for him. But he needs trained. Now, when he gives this prediction, it's actually going to be, uh, forgive me for being a little bit rough, about 20 years before Elijah does this stuff. Uh, that's, that, there's, a, there's a long time here of this training. So what is he doing? Well, he's learning from them. We talked about this morning that, that this idea of a minister is the idea of a servant. How is he learning? How is he training? Because he submitted himself under a man of God and said, What do you want me to do, preacher? What do you want me to do? Can I carry this for you? And by the way, that's exactly what Elisha did. That he was the servant. He was, and that's what I want to bring to the second thing, the servant's heart. The servant's heart. Where was Elisha when Elijah found him? You've got to be careful. Those two E words kind of blend together. Where was Elisha when Elijah found him? He was serving. He was working. He had 12 things of oxen. He was out plowing the field. He was already working. By the way, you don't go into the ministry because you can't do anything else. You go in the ministry because you're already serving God. You remember the old days before power steering fluid? I know some of you kids don't, don't remember, know, even know anything about that. But remember the days of before power steering fluid and you had to turn and you were stopped? You had to almost stand up and kind of just turn the wheel and get it moving. It was much easier to turn the vehicle if it was already in motion. God, it's the same thing with us. It is much easier for God to turn us where we're supposed to go if we're already in motion. 
I've seen so many people, old and young, I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. Or what are you doing? I'm waiting. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm sitting here waiting. Well, you're not going to be used. If you want to be used of God, find something to do and start doing it. And God will direct your path. We're not going to turn there, but in Genesis 24, we have the servant who was sent by Abraham to go find a wife for Isaac. And when he does find him, they said, how did you find the exact wife? I mean, a lot, Isaac didn't do anything to look for his wife. The servant went and found the wife for him. How do you know this is the right wife? Well, he said a specific phrase in Genesis 24, I being in the way, God moved me. I being in the way. Imagine if you wouldn't mind a tidal wave. You don't need to find what God's will for you in the future. You need to find where God's will is for you right now. And if you're in the middle of where God wants you, He can guide you and move you to where you're supposed to be at. Once again, it comes with the idea of serving God. If you want to be used of God, find something to do. Find something to do. There's always something to do. You say, well, preacher, what can I do? Wash toilets? No, 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 no. I'm supposed to be in the ministry. Hey, it's got to start somewhere. If you're not going to be faithful in the little jobs, you're not going to be faithful in the big jobs. If you can't be trusted to straighten songbooks out, how can you be trusted with the souls of men? You know, I'm going to give you a hint. I usually don't do this. But I give everyone a small job to start off with just to see what, if they're going to be obedient to it. And if they're obedient to that small job, I could trust them with something different. Then I'll trust them with something else. But if they kind of do the job I told them to do halfways or one or two days and then quit, I might give them something else later on, but I know I'm not going to be able to trust them. Does that make sense? Can you trust them? Can they accomplish it? By the way, that's exactly what God does. If you're already doing something for God... He can easily move you. You say, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do the best I know how. And if you start passing out tracks everywhere, guess what? God is going to do something with you. You know, if, you, if you're reading your Bible and say, I just want to do something, God will move you. He will guide you. But the idea is that if you want to be a good servant, start serving. As long as you're sitting there and growing roots... It's not, you're going to be hard to move where you're supposed to be at. You need to already be in motion. Find something to do. It doesn't matter. Be obedient to preacher. You don't necessarily get to pick and choose. Well, I'm not going to vacuum floors no matter what. Don't, whatever, find something to do. You know, I'm not good at bushes and stuff. I'm not good at trim. I'm not good at that type of stuff. We need someone as spring hits. To make that look pretty. Because I can't. I can look at it and I can imagine what it could look at. But you know, I'm just giving something small. There's all kinds of things to do. There's something that needs to be done. Sometimes, I'll just give you a little thing. Forgive me. Again, this is usually when I'm training preachers, all right? Forgive me. But you know, sometimes I'll see a piece of paper on the floor and I'll watch to see if anybody will pick it up. Because it shows a servant's heart. 
You know how many people look at it and they say, it's not my job. Well, you're in the house of the Lord. You're supposed to be a servant. Pick it up. Again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, it, no, I, we get to notice the heart of people. Are they willing to serve? Or are they willing just to say, look at me. I have a title. I'm the NCO. I'm the person in charge of the shredder. You know, what, 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 whatever it is, you know, it's not about t- just do you have a servant's heart? And if you want to be used of God, start working, start serving, find something to do. There are plenty of things to do. Now, Elisha made himself the servant to his master in verse 21. So he returned, he rose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. He literally became his servant. Now, before I went to my little side thing, what was Elisha doing? We see him in traveling with Elijah. Elijah, you know what he's doing? He's reading his Bible. You know what Elisha's doing behind him? He's carrying all of his stuff and carrying in there. You say, but that's not fair. No, that's the principle of learning. He is learning so much by doing the work and being a blessing to his master so his master can read the Bible. By the way, that's why the New Testament church came up with deacons. You know what deacons are in the Bible? Glorified grocery haulers. Their job is to help take care of things so the pastor can read his Bible and pray and make sure he's right with God to lead the church. He's just a glorified grocery hauler. His job is not to make sure the preacher's preaching right or to check his sermons or whatever else or a deacon board or whatever else. Their job is to serve. That's literally what the word deacon means, serve. (laughs) So God is putting an emphasis on here to serve, to serve, to serve. Hold your finger here. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. Let's see what the king says about Elisha later on after Elijah. uh, Remember, Elijah... Ascended up to heaven, he disappeared, the chariot of fire came and took him. Later on, when it's time for Elisha to be used, notice the testimony he had. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 11. 2 Kings chapter 3 verse 11. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king's king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Saphat, which poured water on the hands of Elisha. You know what his testimony was? This is the guy who you can trust, Elisha. Why can you trust him? Because he was the guy who poured water on Elisha's hands. When Elijah wanted to have his hands washed, Elisha poured the water on his hands. Because he was the servant, because he spent that much time serving God, according to the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, Elisha was qualified to be the prophet because he humbled himself and he was the servant of his master. They, even the kings of Israel said, this guy can be trusted. This is a true servant of God. You can trust his prayers. You can trust he can get a hold of God because of the way he served his master. Remember what I said this morning, that you will not obey invisible authority if you won't obey visible authority. And because Elisha had made himself literally a servant, you said, preacher, are you just trying to get slaves and people to do your bidding? No, I'm trying to help. Everyone who's used of God went through this. If you ever studied another dynamic relationship in history, 
which would be D.L. Moody and R.A. Torrey. Now, D.L. Moody is the forerunner. He gets a lot more, more people know about D.L. Moody than R.A. Torrey. But R.A. Torrey was already an established pastor, and he quit the pastorate to follow Moody in his evangelistic campaigns. Moody even told him what messages to preach. Can you imagine that? He would say, Torrey, preach that message. I got other message. No, you preach that message. Okay. He did whatever. He, people said they couldn't imagine someone more devoted to D.L. Moody than what R.A. Torrey was. Whatever he needed. And he was already an established pastor. Most people considered uh, D.L. Moody, forgive me, I'm just going to history lesson. D.L. Moody was not educated. He butchered the king's English. You will not find a book of sermons from D.L. Moody because they're unreadable. But he had the power of God. Dr. Tory was much more educated. He was much more established. He was much more vocal. He has a lot more books out, a lot more helpful books that are still read to this day. But you know what he did? He submitted himself to whatever D.L. Moody told him. D.L. Moody was used of God to shake two continents for the Lord. After Moody died, R.A. Tory stepped up and he shook three continents for the Lord for revival. Why? Because he humbled himself and submitted himself to someone. And he learned this. This isn't just a principle of the Bible. This happens all the time. To submit yourself, to become a servant. And you can be used more than you can imagine. And it qualifies you. Again, I show you the example of Jesus. Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, humbled himself and made himself of no reputation, putting on the form of a servant. A form of a servant. It said... We like to the used part. We don't like the servant part. We don't like the no reputation part. I told you guys in Sunday school that my besetting sin is pride. We all like the pat in the back. We all like the accolades. We all like the pat in the head. Good job. Good job. We all like that. And you'll be lying if you said you don't. But to make yourself of no reputation, that's hard. But that's what he did. They put themselves in a servant and said, it's not me I'm trying to elevate, it's my master. I'm trying to elevate my master. So we come back to 1 Kings 19, and I want to show you one other thing here, and this dynamic here. I want to show you the separated life. The separated life. So we have the principle of training, that it's never wasted time to stop and sharpen your axe. That before Elisha could be used, he needed to be trained, and Elijah was going to do the training. We see the servant's heart. So his, Elisha's job was to be used, to, to have that heart. Just teach me. Let me learn. What can I do for you? Can I shine your shoes? Can I wash your feet? What can I do for you? And then it comes, comes to the idea of the separated life. Once again, let's read this passage. 1 Kings 19, start at verse 19. So he departed from thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with the twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elisha. Now, literally, this is what happened. That Elisha went by, passed by, threw his cloak and kept walking. Elisha ran after him and said, wait, 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 wait a second. You know what Elisha was expecting? He was expecting, hey, I give you my mantle. You know what that means? He didn't say anything. He kept walking. He was expecting Elisha to follow him immediately. So Elisha runs up and says, wait a second, wait a second. 
And he left the oxen and ran after Elisha and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I to thee? Elisha said, Hey, I'm going to follow you, but at least let me tell him goodbye. He says, Go ahead. You know, you don't owe me anything. Go ahead. Take care of what you need to take care of. So what did he do to take care of things? Verse 21, And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave to the people and they did eat. And he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. So he went back. Remember, he had those 12 yoke of oxen. He killed them all. And then he took the equipment that harnessed them all up. He burned them, boiled the oxen, gave it to the village and said, Hey guys, feast tonight. Then he said, See you later. And he left. You say, What in the world was that all about? Well, here's the idea of a separated life. He got rid of everything to follow the Lord. Remember James and John? Jesus said, Follow me. And they left their father and their fishing business and followed the Lord. You see... Preaching, and let me say the ministry, is not a fallback position. Elisha was never preparing to come back to that life. He said, I'm not coming back to that life, and I'm making sure I can't come back to that life. He says, it's follow after God or I die. You know, God or bust. That's the way he said, I'm going. I'm giving up everything. He told Elijah to wait just for a second so he could go take care of business. And he took care of his affairs so he could not come back. You know, if you choose to follow God, you need to follow him completely. Not partially. Not as a hobby. You need to follow God with everything. And continue to go after him. Notice if you wouldn't mind 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're encroaching on Paul and Timothy's relationship, but this is the principle that's still there. Second Timothy, if you wouldn't mind, and chapter number 2. Second Timothy in chapter number 2. Notice what it says in verses 3 and 4. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a good soldier, to be a soldier. Now, here God is trying to put things in basic terms. Usually he does agricultural terms because most people that day understood farming. He's using soldier terms because everyone understands soldier. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about our military. You have an army person who's told to guard this hill. What are they supposed to do? Guard that hill. When you take a marine and you say, Go take that land. What are they supposed to do? Take that land. You take a, a, a Navy sailor. And you say that even though the storms are coming, your job is to man this ship. You take an Air Force pilot whose job is to fly in the sky. You say, well, that's fun. Yeah, until hardness hits. You know, when the Marine is told to take that island, people are going to shoot at him. And he's supposed to endure hardness and do what he was told to do, even though it is hard. When the Navy sailor's out and the storm is blowing, he has to keep his post even though the storm is raging. What about the Air Force pilot who's flying overhead and they're trying to shoot him out of the sky? 
He has to do his duty. He has to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. By the way, if any of those people fail their duty, we call them one or two things, a traitor or a coward. The Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Then it goes on in verse 4, No man that warreth entangleth himself. Notice that word entangleth. Imagine a vine that kind of just intertwines and holds you down. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Under Roman law, Roman soldiers were not allowed to own property. They were not allowed to have a store. They were not allowed to be married. Now, this was so that way there was nothing to entangle them from being the soldier when they were told to go. So if they were told to go from here to here, they were allowed to go from there to there. So there was nothing entangling them uh, and preventing them. You know, someone will say, well, I can't go fight this war. I'm sorry you want me to go, but I can't. Who's going to run my business? You know, when God says, hey, go do this. Well, I can't. I got to do this and I got to do this. I'm sorry, God, you're on your own. You got to find someone else. The Bible says, endure hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may uh, please him who chosen him to be a good soldier. Now, this isn't saying that we're not supposed to get married or we're not supposed to own property or work another job. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is that if you're going to serve God, you have to remove things that are going to entangle you, keep you from serving God, that keep you from going forward. Leave that life behind and say, God, I'm willing to go forward with whatever you give to us. Let me go on. Now, in the Bible, miracles are actually a rare thing. I think there was 50 miracles, that's it, in the Old Testament. Only 50. Elijah, Elijah did seven major miracles. That's a big deal. Seven major miracles. You know what his student did? Doubled. He did 14 major miracles in his life. Why? Because he was willing to become a servant and follow after his master. As he's following him, he's learning everything he could from him. And because of that, God used Elisha to complete Elijah's work. There was three things that God told Elijah to do and that he ended up not doing, but Elisha ended up doing it for him. We talked about Moses and Joshua, that God told Moses to go into the land and divide it out, but Moses was not able to go. It was Joshua who completed his master's work. And why was he equipped? Why Why were both of these men able to do what their masters could not do? Because they were willing to submit themselves during the time of them and to become a servant. And God honored that and blessed them and used them more than what their masters were. Even though their masters may get more of the credit, they get the headlines. It was those two other ones who did even more and completed their master's work. So what's the whole point? What am I rambling on about? Everyone who wants to be used of God, find yourself a man of God. And plug yourself into it. For those ladies who are in discipleship. Plug yourself to my wife. Learn from her. Pray with her. Say teach me, teach me, teach me. And God will bless that. There should be nothing off limits. You know that that if it's not unbiblical, unreasonable, illegal. 
immoral, try to do it to the best of your ability. God honors that. You know, come to me and say, preacher, I want to be used. Now, again, I'm not trying to build a kingdom. I'm trying to help you because once you start serving, God can use you and direct you to where he wants you to be. But everyone has to come to this place where they make a decision. I want to be used of God. Then what's the next step? What's my next step after I surrender? To serve, to serve, to serve. And as God allows you to serve, he will direct you exactly where he wants you to be. This is the principle that's found in the Bible over and over and over and over. And I told you at the very beginning, my job as a pastor is not to do all the work. You're supposed to do the work with me working with you and leading it on. But that to happen, we have to have people who are willing to serve and willing to serve. So I'm trying to help teach and work on this church and and trying to set things in order and trying to show you the principle so we as a church together do our part and go forward. And again, I hope the heartbeat of each one of us inside of us says, I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. Well, if that's true, your next step is to serve. What are you busy doing? What is it that you're doing with the church? You say, well, it's small. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. You say, it doesn't seem that big. It's big in God's sight. Because all that little stuff helps out. It helps out. You know... If you guys didn't help clean the church, guess who would have to do it? Preacher and preacher's wife. Do you know that's an easing of my burden and allows me to do more because you're able to do that? Something to straighten up the songbooks. That's a big deal. I I know that we have the little things here and the songbooks don't bounce around. But you know, there's so many little things that actually pile up that someone has to take care of. And we can all find something to do. And you say, I don't know what to do. Then ask We could find something, I guarantee. And if nothing else, soul winning, read your Bible, pray. All of that works together. Are you busy serving the master? Are you busy telling people about the Lord? Are you busy passing out tracts? Are you busy inviting people about the Lord? Are you laboring with God in prayer? There is plenty of things to do. We're not going to run out. Just find things and start serving. Allow your pastor to help guide and direct. And you can be used of God, but you have to be willing to submit and to serve and to say, this is my position. You just tell me what to do, God, and I'll be obedient.